All right. Welcome to Football Never Sleeps, your favorite Notre Dame football YouTube show with at least one bearded co-host. Um, usually two and most always two, but you never know when one of us may lose a bet and lose our beards. Um, but uh, I'm Tyler James. I'm co-publisher of Inside Indy Sports on the Rivals Network, and I'm joined on this dreary Tuesday evening by Charleston Bowles, our lead recruiting writer on Inside Indy Sports. Eric Hansen is continuing to take some much-deserved vacation, um, and we didn't get any angry letters after this last week, Charleston, so we invited Charleston back for some more. Um, we'll be very recruit, recruiting oriented once again this week, but obviously that's where a lot of the news is coming from this time of year. But please feel free to send any other football related questions our way. Um, we'll answer as many questions as we can sprinkled throughout the show um, and try to get to as many sort of football related topics as we can. Also, we'll touch a little bit about a little bit on Jack Swarbrick um, and his successor, Pete Pavaka, um, at the end of the show. Um, but, uh, we appreciate everyone who's tuning in as always. Um, and please feel free, even if you don't have a question to say hello, we like to, to know who is showing up to see some familiar faces in the chat. Um, and we appreciate those of you that are regular viewers for us and a reminder to make sure that you like this video, subscribe to the inside Indy sports channel. Um, it is free, so no cost to you. Um, and it's certainly helpful to turn on your notifications so you don't miss any videos or scheduled live shows, as we'll probably keep trying to do some live shows throughout the rest of the month of June here. Um, so since we last, last spoke to you last week, Notre Dame added a pair of commitments from its first official visitors weekend of, of June, and that was four-star running back Kedron Young and three-star offensive tackle Styles Prescott. The Irish are now up to 19 commitments with the third-ranked class in the country. Um, so Charleston, let's start with Kedron Young. What do you like about his addition to the class? Yeah, Tyler, thank you uh, for having me on again. Excited to speak with you tonight. Uh, so Kedron Young, I mean, getting a running back from Texas, I think, uh, you know, that's the first sign Texas hotbed of high school football. So I think that's um, the number one thing you have to look at. Um, you know, he's a blue chip talent. Um, he's a top 250 player, uh, according to rivals, and we'll get into that later. But um, just kind of him as a prospect. Uh, he's 5'11", 210. He's a big bruiser type. I, I kind of see a little bit of Leonard Fournette. Um, obviously not as uh, tall as Leonard Fournette and not as heralded as Fournette was coming out mm -hmm. of high school. Um, but I, he has that running style. Uh, I mean, he's not afraid to run in between the tackles. He welcomes contact. Um, somebody I think of is um, kind of like a Fred Taylor um, back in the day um, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he always looks for contact and he always looks to get that extra yard. Um, so I think I really like uh, his addition to the class. Um, he really compliments um, Aeneas Williams well. I think um, Williams can kind of be that pass catcher um, that maybe Kedron isn't as strong in uh, at this point uh, of his game right now. Um, so I think, I mean, you have to love what Notre Dame's done here with getting two running backs who complement each other well, um, both blue chip prospects. And I think in today's day and age, um, I mean, Georgia, the past few years, they've kind of uh, gone running back by committee. Um, so I think today's day and age, you have to go running back by committee because, I mean, it's it's such a grueling position. And I think um, Kedron can kind of take on that workload um, in this class uh, to complement Williams as more of a scat back. Yeah, he's definitely a physical back. I, I'm not really sure if he has great speed. I'm interested to see well, how that translates to the college level. Um, but, yeah, it's been a very productive back at Lufkin High School. 1,666 yards and 19 touchdowns to just 10 games as a junior. 
Um, so you like to see production, especially in te- at, at tech in Texas, playing against certainly good competition. You're going to have lots of guys being recruited um, to play college football that you're usually playing against on the, on those football fields. So um, I think it's a good addition. And, and yeah, I, I do think the sort of complementary aspect of Aeneas Williams and Kedron Young together is very important and something that certainly Dylan McCullough likes to do with his running back. He likes to have guys that can do lots of different things for his running back room. Um, and I think this is a continuation of that. So pretty big and important um, commitment there for Notre Dame. The other commitment was from Styles Prescott. What kind of upside do you think Notre Dame is getting in Prescott? Yeah, so I think there's a ton of upside with Styles. Um, he actually goes to Hamilton Southeastern High School in Fishers, Indiana, uh, which is about 20 minutes from my house back home. So um, I got to go to uh, two of his games last season um, as a junior, and he really impressed me before I kind of knew who he was um, and before he was on Notre Dame's radar, I think. Um, you look at his size, uh, 6'6", 265. So um, there's a frame to put on weight once he gets up to South Bend um, mm-hmm. that can kind of take his game to the next level. But um, something I really like about Styles is his run blocking. I think um, he's very good in, in that aspect right now, especially at the high school level. Um, his aggressiveness jumps off to me, um, especially playing against indie competition. Um, he's, he's also very polished. Um, but I do think technique-wise, something that – um, might be something that he needs to work on. It's just kind of being that low man, uh, you know, low man wins, especially sure. at the line of scrimmage. Um, so I think that's something that um, coach, offensive line coach Joe Rudolph is uh, going to kind of tap into when Styles uh, gets to campus, um, a part of this class. And I think if he can um, become a little bit uh, bigger in size, but also um, just kind of being low man in those situations, I think he can uh, be a contributor year two, year three um, on campus. Yeah, uh, we have Styles Prescott listed at six foot six, two hundred sixty-five pounds. Um, so definitely a good frame there. I think certainly will want to add some weight once he gets to the college level. Um, pretty similar to, I mean, the three commitments in Notre Dame's class right now: Anthony Knapp, Peter Jones, um, and Styles Prescott aren't the bulkiest guys, which I think is probably a good thing. You want to be able to add that and not have to sort of work worry about sort of shedding that. Um, so I think he's a good sort of moldable player that you want to get and uh, there there's more to for him to get to in terms of reaching his ceiling um and even Gerby Lambert the highest offensive ta- highest ranked offensive tackle that Notre Dame is still going after he's a pretty svelte offensive tackle too so that, that's not that's not necessarily a bad thing I think it's a good thing and it's especially at Notre Dame they're not usually asking guys to come in and play as freshmen so these guys as offensive linemen should be able to come in and develop and add some of that weight and make sure it's good weight uh, at the college level. And they're making strength gains in the weight room as well. So I think uh, um, I like the addition of South Prescott. He has good size, intriguing athleticism. I think he certainly does have a lot, a a bit of a room to go in terms of the um, technique aspects. Like, like you mentioned, Um, he's actually two, at least as of this moment two one of two of the two lowest rated commits in Notre Dame's class right now. Um, with a 5.5 rating as a three-star recruit. Him and Sean Savalano Jr., both are 5.5s. Now those could change by the end of the week with the position rankings being updated by rivals this week. Um, So I'm interested to see what our analysts think of him after getting some more eyes on him and what sort of how that opinion continues to evolve as as he goes into his senior season and puts some more good work on, on film because right now he's not included among the 
top 60 offensive tackles um, in the 2024 class, according to rivals. Um, and since our last show, some of Notre Dame's targets have committed elsewhere, uh, most notably a pair of safety, safety Jalen McClain committed to Ohio State um, this week before uh, even getting a chance to make an official visit to Notre Dame. He was expected to visit Notre Dame this coming weekend. Um, and safety Paul Mankey Jr. committed to Duke after an official visit this past weekend. Um, he was on Notre Dame's campus earlier this month. Um, Mankey is more – I really like McLean as a prospect. He seemed like oh, – he always seemed like more of a long shot. Mankey seemed like someone that I think Notre Dame was pr pretty confident that they could get him in the class when he came up to visit, um, and that didn't happen. And when he left campus without a commitment, Notre Dame sort of – moved on they were the Irish were essentially like okay um we're going to prioritize the safeties we have still coming in um and I thought that was an interesting choice Charleston what do you think of that decision do you think that was wise or should Notre Dame have kept pushing for him yeah I know this time last week um I said Notre Dame was going to go four for four uh, with the guys <laughs> who uh, came on campus the first official visit weekend and you know after after our show last week I ended up getting on the phone with Mankey Jr. and when he told me that he still had plans to officially visit Duke, I kind of um, saw that, okay, maybe he, not, he, he might not be in Notre Dame's class because uh, we know with head coach Marcus Freeman, once, you know, once he took this job, they like to lock their recruits down and uh, kind of get that commitment. Um, something that, you know, Clemson has done very well um, under Dabo Sweeney. Um, and I think um, personally, I mean, it's all what you prefer um, with this staff. Um, you know, they want to lock guys up. I don't think it was wise just because of how the safety board looks like right now, especially with McLean's right. commitment to Ohio State last night. Um, but, you know, they feel good with the guys um, that they got on campus later that week, which we'll get into um, here later in the show. But um, Mickey Jr., I don't think he's a um, caliber player that they're losing sleep over. He's a he, he's a good player. Um, he could come in uh, to Notre Dame and um, he would be a contributor in two to three years, I believe. Um, but I think um, – they're probably not going to lose a ton of sleep over um, losing him. And I think um, as you hit on after he kind of left campus, left South Bend without a commitment, I think they probably knew that, okay, uh, we have to um, start putting in more effort into the guys that we have visited in a couple of days, um, yeah. which I believe they did. And they're in good standing for um, those guys that we'll get to in a minute. So I think Mickey Jr. I just think you have to accept defeat in this one and uh, kind of move on to the targets you have higher on your board. Yeah. It Notre Dame took it a little bit like it's one thing to say, hey, we don't want you to commit now if you really are insistent on taking this Duke official visit because we want you to be committed to us. So um, don't commit to us yet. Go see see things through on your Duke visit and then we'll revisit things. Notre Dame maybe took, took it a little bit further than that from my understanding. It was like, OK, if you want to go ahead and do that, we're probably not going to have room for you. Um, and uh, I, I think as of this moment, they still would have room for him um, because Notre Dame. Um, hasn't been racking up safety commitments quite yet. Um, so it's a bit of a risk. Um, but I mean, I, I think it has a little bit to do with they're like, okay, we can we can do as good, if not better than Paul Mankey with some of these other guys that we um, have shown interest in us. But I think the, the options are sort of slimming. I think, um, I, I, I don't know. I think I would have tried to keep him in the fold because you, you just you, you never really know how things are going to play and take for granted that you're going to end up getting the safe, the number of safeties that you want. And now maybe maybe Notre Dame feels like, well, if we can't get the ones that we want, we just won't take more. 
um, and they'll limit the numbers of safety. But I think Notre Dame really needs an influx of bodies at that safety position after being um, missing out on some guys, notably Peyton Bowen and Brandon Hillman in the last class. Um, so I think that Notre Dame is in search of some answers there in this class. And um, they found one so far in Kennedy Erlacher. Um, maybe can get a couple more. We'll see what happens in the coming month or so. Um, but I think it could it could have caused an uncomfortable situation with the upcoming visitors if Notre Dame sort of continued to recruit Mankey. But I think I think that's how you have to handle things. I think it's if everything is equal with the talent in your eyes, it's it's sort of a first come first served um, basis when it comes to those commitments. So um, it doesn't really matter now. Mankey is a Duke commit. Maybe maybe that maybe if. Notre Dame strikes out with the other guys. They try to revisit that. I would be a little bit surprised if that happened. Um, and maybe they would target some other guys, but we'll see how Notre Dame fares with its other safety targets. And speaking of those safety targets, I submitted rivals future cast predictions in favor of Notre Dame last week um, for a pair of safety targets who visited last week. Um, Bronte Johnson, an in-state athlete out of Fort Wayne and Davis Andrews, a three-star athlete, out of Utah, uh, Charleston. This isn't a setup. How how confident are you in my picks? Yeah, let me start with uh, Bronte uh, Bronte Johnson in state uh, from Fort Wayne, as you touched on. I think this pick is probably spot on at the moment. I think uh, I'm really confident in Notre Dame's chances to land Johnson. Uh, obviously, he announced uh, last weekend he's uh, committing later this month, um, so a decision is imminent. And I think uh, his last official visit being to Notre Dame is something that you should really look at um, when it comes to this decision. I think uh, Coach Freeman uh, made a really good impression on Bronte Johnson. Uh, Coach O'Leary has plans for him. He's willing to play safety. Uh, you, you don't see that a lot with guys who have played wide receiver and kind of have that acclaim as a wide receiver on the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. um, but he's willing. Uh, I think he's willing to play safety because he loves Notre Dame that much. It's a dream school. Um, so I'm really confident uh, in that pick with Johnson to start off. Um, and I think he'll be in Notre Dame class here shortly. And then uh, for Davis Andrews, I'm a little bit less confident, but I do think Notre Dame is the leader. Um, I've always had kind of a sneaky school in this recruitment, UCLA. Uh, I just have a feeling that um, they might uh, have a chance to land Andrews. But um, I think this is another guy that uh, Coach Freeman, you know, really resonated with. Um, Coach O'Leary, they built a good relationship. Um, he visited for the Blue Goal game, as we touched on last week, and he made it, you know, an effort to come back uh, in June for that official visit uh, when, uh, you know, he didn't have to. You know, he has schools like uh, Utah and UCLA out west, and I think it's uh, I think it's something notable that, you know, he's coming all the way um, for his standards out to Indiana to take that official visit. Um, and, you know, Notre Dame is uh, going to allow him to take that mission trip, so um, he'll be a part of the 2026 class if he does commit. But um, I do think that prediction has merit as well. Um, and I think uh, both of those guys do end up in Notre Dame's class. So um, I think you're on the right track with uh, those two picks. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you in terms of the confidence level. I would put my confidence level in Johnson higher than my confidence level in Andrews just because he just visited Utah this past weekend and plans to visit BYU. Those are in-state schools. Um, he's a member of the Mormon church. Uh, he plans to take a mission. So those schools are certainly 
used to that that with their with their student athletes. And Notre Dame has done that too. And Notre Dame has talked through that with him. Um, and so he's comfortable with that opportunity at Notre Dame. So that made that gave me enough confidence in submitting the future cast for for Notre Dame. But I um I feel a little with more certainty, especially after this past weekend when Bronte Johnson announced that he plans to make his decision on the 24th. Um, we learned that he did not make his planned official visit to Purdue this past weekend. He was actually down in Indianapolis playing in an all-star game uh, that uh, you attended the later game of. It's too bad he didn't get down there early enough to see Bronte, but I don't know that we had any idea that's where he would be. I think pe some people still thought he might end up at Purdue over the weekend. So um, I uh, I think Notre Dame's in a good spot there. But besides Purdue, who, he, who Bronte himself told me that he was at least still considering um, visiting Purdue before making his decision. So we'll see if that happens. Um, but Illinois and Michigan State are some of the other contenders there. But I really do like where Notre Dame is um, at as a regular host of him. I know there was a bit of a, a quiet uh, streak there um, this year in terms of his recruitment at Notre Dame. But um, it's ramped back up, and it looks like he could end up being Irish by the end of the month, which would be a pretty big pretty big get for Notre Dame. I, I Like you mentioned, he's a wide receiver that most schools have received – recruiting as a wide receiver last season he had 69 catches for 1081 yards and 16 touchdowns six foot 375 pounds out of fort wayne north side um so he certainly has prowess on the offensive side of the ball but Notre dame likes his athleticism and abilities and potential to make plays as a safety and rivals right now ranks him as the number four athlete in the class and number 58 overall so that would be uh, that would be what would equate to Notre Dame's fourth Rivals 100 uh, commitment in the class if he joins it. So we'll see if Notre Dame can get him on board later this month. Uh, moving on to the four targets who visited um, this past weekend for official visits. That's defensive end Elijah Rushing, tight end Carter Nelson, linebacker Bradley Shaw, and safety Oliver Miles III. Charleston coming out of the weekend – We've been able to talk to people. We've been able to talk to recruits themselves. Who do you feel best about Notre Dame's chances of landing? And do you think Notre Dame will get one or more commitments from that group? Yeah, before the weekend, I, I really didn't expect to say this name, but I'm going to go with Bradley Shaw, uh, linebacker from uh, down south. Um, I think uh, Notre Dame made a really good impression uh, this past weekend on uh, not only Shaw, but uh, his entire family. I think uh, they created that kind of home environment that um, is going to be needed for uh, Notre Dame to get a prospect out of the South, out of SEC country. Um, and I think, I mean, when you turn on the tape, I hadn't uh, really dove too much into him, but um, as an inside linebacker, which um, Notre Dame is kind of targeting him as, I mean, he's a thumper. Uh, he, he's exactly what I think defensive uh, coordinator Al Golden would want um, kind of inside to uh, help run support. Um and I just think that Notre Dame made a really good impression on him. Um, and especially they kind of um, let Chris Cole, uh, linebacker from Virginia, explore other options. And I think that's because Notre Dame sees Shaw as a better fit. Um, and they also uh, just like their chances more with him, especially his recruitment has been a little bit quiet for um, yeah. a guy with, you know, offers from Arkansas, Alabama and Auburn. Um, so I think Notre Dame saw an opportunity to kind of jump in and take the lead. Um, and I think they, uh, they did that this weekend. And then, um, two other guys I want to touch on, uh, Carter Nelson and Oliver Miles III. I think those two um, are names to watch. Uh, Carter Nelson, 
I mean, he's he's a big time tight end uh, who pretty much has uh, all the schools that need tight ends facing him. Um, and he connected really well with CJ Card and Cam Williams, uh, two Notre Dame commits this past weekend. Um, and I know um, you've told our uh, message board that, you know, he's reposting Instagram stories of mm-hmm. Notre Dame commits and photo shoots. So um, I think he connected really well with the class. And um, I, I believe he connected really well with offensive coordinator and tight ends coach Jared Parker. Um, and I just think him uh, being a dynamic tight end, I mean, that's that's what Notre Dame is used to. And I think uh, that's something uh, to watch for in his recruitment moving forward. I think a decision might be made this summer um, after his official visits wrap up. And then uh, Oliver Miles III, I talked to this morning, um, and his recruitment um, is a little bit odd. Notre Dame jumped in kind of late, um, but he visited for the Blue Gold game and came back this weekend and uh, really enjoyed his time. He's another one that you know really valued the connections he made with uh, the commits and the recruits and uh, Coach O'Leary, Coach Freeman. Um, he brought his family along and, you know, he said he loved the campus, loved the atmosphere, uh, could see himself being successful. Um, but um, kind of the opposite of Mickey Jr. Um, well, a little bit of the same of Mickey Jr., but Miles III um, isn't, you know, rushing to make a decision. Um, he's set to visit Texas Tech this weekend. Um, and then uh, he's probably aiming for a mid-July uh, commitment. So uh, we've talked about, you know, Notre Dame might be first come, first serve. Uh in terms of safety commits. Uh, and I think Miles III uh, would, would like to join the class, but I don't think he's in a rush to kind of make a decision uh, with Stanford and Texas Tech um, kind of right there at the top along with Notre Dame. But um, I think the floor for this past weekend is one, um, and then the ceiling uh, is getting Miles III, Nelson, and Shaw. Yeah, I think you've, I think you've laid that out pretty well there. Um, Texas Tech is, is definitely a serious contender for Miles. I know we'll, – I don't know that we're used to necessarily thinking about Texas tech in those terms, in terms of Notre Dame recruitments as being legit competitors with, with Notre Dame, but Texas tech has been recruiting. Well, has really established some connections in, in the state with a high school, former high school coach in the state uh, leading that program. Um, and I think that um, Oliver miles is giving the, giving the Red Raiders some serious consideration. So I'm, I wasn't surprised that he wasn't ready to pull the trigger on a commitment to Notre Dame before making that visit um, because it always sort of seemed like they, he was going to give Texas tech a serious chance as well. Um, The one thing you didn't mention is Elijah rushing. That was someone that we heard feedback that it didn't seem very likely that he would end up in Notre Dame's class. And that aligned with what I'd been hearing for a few months now was he was never someone that I felt very strongly about or people I talked to felt very strongly about that would end up in Notre Dame's class. And I think there was even maybe a couple months ago, some doubts of whether or not he would actually make an official visit. Um, but he did follow through with that official visit. And there was maybe some thought like, okay, maybe, maybe Notre Dame has a legit chance here, but I don't think that Notre Dame's going to get him. I think Oregon um, who hosts him next later this week is probably the favorite. I think Arizona is certainly a dark horse there as the hometown team, where his brother is also in the program. UCLA, Tennessee, you're talking about some programs that are pretty blatantly connected with some um, NIL monies, um, to say the least. So I think that is something um, that may be playing a role in Elijah Rushing's recruitment. Um, And we don't necessarily tend to see Notre Dame win out a lot of recruitments where that is going to play a very big role. Not that there's not NIL opportunities at Notre Dame, but Notre Dame is certainly handling it differently than some other schools are in terms of 
what could be considered sort of upfront offers or pay for play schemes, which might not necessarily be legal, but there's no one uh, enforcing the laws at this point. Uh, so um, I don't think uh, that Notre Dame's chances there are good. I would, I, I've been going back and forth on who I think is the most likely of that group to commit Shaw. I'm not ready to say he will yet. I, I This was definitely a, a step in the right direction and made me think that it was, a possibility. I, I sort of hadn't really considered it as much of a possibility coming into this visit, but the feedback that I received and talking to Bradley Shaw, I think it is, I think it is real. And I shared his future visit plans with our subscribers on inside Indy sports, which is, was a little surprising. It's some, even one team that I hadn't heard reported him connected to. So that was a bit interesting, but obviously the in-state schools, Alabama and Auburn um, being contenders there. I, I'm interested to see how much Alabama is actually pushing for him. Um, I think Auburn really wants him, at least from what I've been hearing. Um, so we'll see if Notre Dame can pull him out of Alabama. Notre Dame certainly doesn't go into Alabama a lot, um, but there, there's an opportunity for Notre Dame to be be able to do that. Um, so we'll see um, how things progress forward. But it, it certainly was a positive step forward for Notre Dame, um, even though there weren't – none of those guys coming out of this – uh, visit weekend have sort of said, Hey, I'm going to announce a decision. And usually if that happens right after a visit, um, then maybe things are going Notre Dame's way. Um, but speaking of commitments, Frank Sarah submitted a question. It seems that the commitment boom so far for June is a bust. Do you agree? I wouldn't say I fully agree. Um, but I do think some of these guys that you've had on campus, um, especially the higher end targets, you would like to get them to commit, as you said. You you would like to get them to kind of announce that, hey, I, I'm committing this Tuesday, this Wednesday, this Friday, at mm. that following week. I think that's something, you know, Notre Dame wants to compete at the highest level. They want to have a top five recruiting class. Their class hits number two right now in the rivals team rankings, but that won't that won't stay. Uh, it, they won't stay number two if they don't get um, some of these top guys and guys like Carter Nelson. You would like, you know, him for to commit. Uh, after having that official visit. Um, and I think that's something that you just have to adjust to with each recruit. Um, but I do think right now you have to look at it um, as a little bit of a disappointment that Notre Dame's class hasn't um, necessarily got the blue chip talent um, outside of Kedron Young uh, from the first two official visitor weekends. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to have perspective on this. Well, first, Notre Dame has added three commitments already in June, so it's not like they're not – excuse me, doing anything. Um, second, you, these kids have waited their entire recruitment and to, to, to get to this point where they can take official visits. So you have to be really strongly convince a kid that it's not, it's not worth taking an official visit somewhere else when they've waited this long to potentially do that, to sort of end the recruitment following a visit to Notre Dame this month where it's like, hey, can't you just wait two more weeks so I can visit two more schools and figure out what what I want to do here. So I, I think we, we have to wait till mid mid to late July to figure out, okay, what actually happened from these visits? Because there's a number of these guys that have left campus without committing that could end up committing to Notre Dame in the next month or so. Um, so I think it's too early to say that it's a bust, um, especially when you uh, – I mean, we already talked about Bronte Johnson. That's a top 100 recruit that could be joining the class. So it's not like – um, if Notre Dame gets him, that's a pretty impressive. That would be the second Rivals 250 edition um, of the month for Notre Dame. Um, and we'll see if any of these other guys want to join the class. Certainly if 
I'm, I'm sure people would feel much better if Elijah rushing would say, yep, I'm done. I'm going to come to Notre Dame, but that was never very realistic. So I think that um, that's always something that we have to keep in perspective. So I, I would not consider it a bust. Um, I think the safety position is intriguing. Obviously Bronte Johnson is an answer there, um, but what does the rest of the, of the class look like there? That's the one that I think is played out the, the murkiest and maybe not the most successful so far. Um, but I think there's certainly time for that to be sorted out and maybe, maybe Oliver miles in two weeks is ready to commit to Notre Dame. We'll see, um, how things sort of shake out there. Um, let's get to Kirk Kirk. Thank you for joining us. Um, and thank you for the four ninety nine. How realistic is it for ND to sign elite defensive players like rushing or Scott in the pay for play NIL area? It doesn't, uh, it doesn't seem very realistic to me. Yeah, I think I think that has to do with the the recruit. I mean, kind of the background he comes from, just kind of the person he is. I know when I've uh, when I spoke with Justin Scott at, uh, earlier last month in May, um, I mean, he brought up NIL, but you know, he talked about kind of uh, creating uh, generational wealth, um, kind of money that um, you know he can get later on in the pros, and that's why he's looking uh, at Notre Dame because you know the development aspect and the family aspect. Um, and then a guy like Russian, I mean, like you said, if you look at his final schools, you got Oregon, you got Arizona, you got Tennessee. Those are very NIL friendly schools that we've seen um, kind of uh, boom in the NIL era since uh, that started in the summer of 2021. So mm -hmm. um, I think it just depends on the player. Um, and a, lo a lot of the players are, do happen to be the four or five star guys, um, which we could expect. So I think Notre Dame just ha has to rely on making personal connections and, um selling their development um and you know notre dame you can get nil at notre dame it's just not as flamboyant um as it would be at some other schools um so i think it's borderline realistic uh, for some guys that notre dame believes you know matches uh their character and their program and their culture um and they can really uh kind of sell them on the relationship aspect um, but i do think notre dame will uh, probably lose out on four and five star recruits that are um, kind of searching for that nil um, especially this early on in NIL when people are still trying to figure it out um, and so forth. So I think it, it's give or take uh, with each recruit. Yeah. I, I like to remind people, this isn't exactly new when college ball recruiting, like they were under the table payments that were being made for a long time uh, in recruiting uh, both at college football and, and uh, college basketball levels. Um, so this isn't necessarily a completely new phenomenon that Notre Dame is dealing with. Certainly, Notre Dame is, try, is trying to sort of steer its NIL positioning in a way that it feels is best reflects the values of Notre Dame. Now, I, I know people could feel different ways about that. I don't know that I totally buy into some of that, but I think what it's it what it, it will continue to require is kids who are kids and their parents um, likely that are willing to buy into the value of what Notre Dame can do for that recruit. And that obviously goes beyond the football field. So um, I think you have to, to get a, a high caliber kid like that. I mean, Jeremiah love, I think we can say, for instance, I think there, my understanding is that there were some NIL opportunities out there for other, from other schools. Um, and he turned those down to come to Notre Dame and, and Jeremiah and his family valued what Notre Dame could do for, for him. They were aware of the possibilities of the NIL program that Notre Dame does have. Um, and th that the fund collective has um, in connection to Notre Dame. 
and the opportunities that come with just being a, a successful college football player at Notre Dame with the spotlight that comes with that. Um, so Notre Dame's just sort of pitching it in a different way. Um, I think certainly these big pay-for-play schemes that we hear reported about are enticing. I'm curious to see like how many of those deals actually follow through. Like, are how many how much of these these numbers that we're hearing are just funny money and like half how many of those kids are actually going to see the amount of money that is being allegedly promised to them in some of these communications with collectives. I'm, I'm very curious to see how that goes. And Notre Dame is certainly avoiding that. Um, and, and what you see is sort of what you get from, from Notre Dame's perspective on, on the NIL front um, and where things go from there. I think there's much more trust in what Notre Dame is selling from that standpoint than maybe what some other schools are, but some, some people will see the dollar figures and it, it will be hard to turn down. So I think um, it's always going to depend on a number of different factors and that, and they always come back to like, what, what, what does the kid value? What does the kid's family value in terms of the college decision they're making? Cause it, it is, it is a different decision to come to Notre Dame than it is to go to Georgia or Alabama. That That's not, that those aren't the same decisions. Yeah. And just right. to follow up on, Sure, Just to follow up on, on Kirk's question real quick, um, go back two years ago, Texas A&M's 22, 2022 recruiting class. Notre Dame wants to avoid something like that. Will they, will they sell NIL big to a lot of big-time recruits, and a year later the class is kind of dissolved and uh, players have you know transferred or um, just gone to different schools? I don't think Notre Dame wants to dip their toe in that. Um, they want to find guys that match you know their culture, their identity, and I think – um, NIL won't play a big part in that if that's kind of a make or break for a kid. Yeah, and Notre Dame can't really survive that because of the transfer policy that Notre Dame has and, and the difficulties it has in getting undergraduate transfers. It can't it can't afford to lose like 10 freshmen after just one year because that leaves a big hole in the roster. Then you'd have to be adding a ton in the next recruiting class. And how do you do that when everyone sees the numbers in the class? So um, I think all those things sort of go hand in hand in terms of Notre Dame's sort of process of handling NIL right now. All right. I want to get to this question from 729 Beauty. Hey guys, I'm curious what seems to be the most important part or opportunities for the recruits? Yeah. So a lot of recruits I've talked to, I'll just kind of focus on the 2024 class right now, since they're kind of in the home stretch of recruiting um, those guys, uh, they want to be developed. Um, they want to um, go to places where they know they can get to the next level. Um, if they aspire um, to get to that point. But also, I mean, you hear this all the time, but relationships, um, they want to know that, you know, the coach is going to take care of them on the field, but also off the field. Uh, they want to be uh, set up for success um, under the coach's guidance. And I just think they want trust from the coaching staff. Um, they don't want, you know, coaching staff to kind of sell them on something, get them in the class and then kind of backstab them. I don't think anybody's looking for that. I think uh, they want transparency. And um, from all the conversations I've had with, um, different sources and uh, recruits um, over the phone. Um, Notre Dame's coaching staff is hitting, at, hitting and out of the park in that aspect. I think Coach Freeman um, comes across as one of the most transparent coaches and um, something that is kind of not a deal breaker, but something that definitely sets Notre Dame apart is um, he was in their shoes before. He knows what it's like to have a coach, you know, mm -hmm. selling you on something and uh, getting you to campus. He's been through the recruiting process. So um, I think relationships with coaches – um, and just kind of that promise to be developed and um, know that, you know, if you come here, uh, we're going to take care of you. We're going to look out for you um, and we're not going to kind of 
push it to the side. Yeah, it's it's funny because a lot of times in recruiting you'll hear like, hey, choose a school, don't choose a coach because you never know how long a coach is going to be there, whether it's the assistant coach or the head coach. Those jobs are not long-term for a lot of people. Um, but a lot of times it comes down to that. Like Those are the people that you're putting your trust in to sort of get you to the point that you want to get to next, and they will have a very big um, impact on getting you to your next opportunity if they stay for the majority of your college football career. Um, so that's a tough, it's a tough, like sort of line to walk. Um, I found that Notre Dame, there's usually a confidence that is instilled within the recruits that Notre Dame will find another coach that can do something similar to what they were buying into with the previous coach. So Notre Dame, when they do have coaching changes, sometimes there's not as much decommitments in the class as you would see in other classes across the country, depending on the, the schools that you're talking about. Um, Notre Dame tends to be okay. And I mean, even when, even when Brian Kelly left um, Notre Dame, Notre Dame held most of its recruiting class together. Now that was pretty late in the cycle. So it would have been pretty late for a lot of guys to make last minute sort of changes to the recruitment. But um, certainly that happens across the country elsewhere, but it doesn't use, doesn't happen as much um, with Notre Dame. Um, So, so you're looking at guys that are being recruited by Notre Dame. They really are buying into what Notre Dame can do for them both in the classroom and on the field. I mean, every t- I've been interviewing recruits for over a decade now, and th- almost all of them say that they're interested in academics and that is an important priority for them. Now, I think there's varying levels, degree levels that, uh, that that's reflected as, truthfully, I think they just know that that's something that they're supposed to say a lot of times. But I do think a lot of them are, are, are very honest about that being important for them, especially the guys that end up coming to Notre Dame. So um, I think it's a number of different things. But the NFL is always going to be a part of that. That's what that's what kids are. Spe- that's why kids are spending so much time, so much energy, so much effort um, in developing developing themselves as high school football players, and all the time that they will spend doing that um, at the college football level as well. They want to they want to get to the NFL and sort of live out their dreams because who wouldn't want to live out their dreams? All right. Thank you for the questions. If you guys have some more questions, feel free to submit them. But we will circle back to some of the recruits who we are expecting to get to Notre Dame this coming weekend. Right now, there's three more targets scheduled for official visits. Linebacker Kingston Villiamuasa, linebacker Keyshawn Flowers, and safety Malcolm Ziegler. Um, I wanted to start talking about uh, Kingston Villiamuasa, Charleston. How important do you think he would be to Notre Dame's class? Yeah, so last week we talked about rushing and just kind of what he would uh, bring to the class if somehow Notre Dame uh, was able to get him in at Kingston. um, He's another big fish that you look at and um, think, man, he can really set Notre Dame's class apart in a way. Um, He's someone who jumped up 25 spots in the last uh, Rivals 250 that came out uh, this morning. Um, He's a top 40 player. He's a high-character kid, but something I look at as the games transition to a little bit more of pass-centric offense um, he's the he's the uh, prototype linebacker in a way. Um, he's fast. Um, he can uh, help in uh, run support, but he he can also drop in coverage um, mm-hmm. and cover tight ends. He could even cover some slot receivers. I think with his speed, um, he's very agile. Um, he can get from sideline to sideline. So I think just from a talent level, um, you have to admit that you know this would be um, the best linebacker in Notre Dame's class. 
Um, and he'd arguably be uh, the top uh, defensive player, if, you know, him and Bronte Johnson, if Bronte uh, were to join the fold, it would be, mm-hmm. um, you know, just kind of preference. Um, so I think Kingston would, you know, be a huge addition for this class. And uh, when I spoke to him after the spring game, I mean, he he was glowing about Coach Freeman and uh, he, he really seemed genuine about the academic opportunities at Notre Dame and kind of building his brand. But um, something to note, I heard his USC visit uh, went really well. And you look at social media, he connected with Troy Palomalu, um, obviously a, a Trojan great and somebody who uh, Kingston looked up to as a child. So um, I think it's going to be tough, but this weekend is kind of the weekend a lot of people have been waiting for. And I think, um, you know, he would he would be a huge addition to this class. Yeah, it, he's different from rushing in that, like, Notre Dame likes the match there. Like, they see him as a Notre Dame, someone that's genuinely interested in Notre Dame and has expressed that, has shown that, and they feel confident in his serious interest about the Irish. I think it's still going to be a, a close call between USC, Ohio State, and Notre Dame as three final schools. But um, Notre Dame's ab- absolutely obsessed with him. I, I can see why you mentioned his – his ability to cover a lot of ground and help both in, as a pass defender and a run defender. Um, he's a big time recruit. He's, he's on the very sh- shortest of lists in terms of the guys at the top of the Notre Dame's remaining board. When you talk about like Justin Scott, Kingston, Villiamuasa and Bronte Johnson, those are probably like the three most coveted guys left. Maybe you could throw in Gerby Lambert there. Those are the guys that Notre Dame really wants to be able to add to this class. Um, and I'm very, very interested to see how, how things go with this visit. The The troubling part is that he's going to follow up that Notre Dame visit with an Ohio State visit. Now, I think that would be a scenario where you just like would be hope and pray if, from, if you're Notre Dame that he decides, you know what, I don't need to go to Ohio State. I'm, I'm good with what you guys are offering me here at, at Notre Dame and make that decision. But um, I don't necessarily anticipate that happening, but crazier things certainly have happened. Um, and that will be um, a visit that will, I'm sure will be trying to get as much information about as the weekend goes on because uh, that's one of the top targets remaining for Notre Dame. Um, Malcolm Ziegler is the safety who we mentioned is visiting. We've talked about Notre Dame safety sort of issues. Do you think the Irish are desperate to add Ziegler to this class? Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that we've had to become familiar with pretty quick. Uh, This time last month, he wasn't even on the board. Uh, He got an offer May 16th. So he hasn't really been on the board for more than a month. But um, I do think at this point, while you're, you know, have Bronte Johnson's commitment coming up, but still waiting to hear back from Andrews and kind of his timetable. um, I think this is a little bit of a desperate um, official visit weekend for him just to um, kind of uh, give a great first impression to him if uh, you might going to need him in the class. Um, And I think Clemson and South Carolina are two two programs to watch here um, for Notre Dame to battle. Um, he's kind of been a, a late a late bloomer in terms of uh, kind of getting attention and getting offers. I mean, he just got his Clemson offer after visiting the Tigers last late last month. Um, so I do think this is a little bit um, of a desperate um, push for Ziggler just because of how the position board is um, shaked out um, and just kind of, you know, with Mickey Jr. and um, McLean's commitments, um, I just think uh, at this point you have to, you know, show show everything to Ziegler and sell him on Notre Dame. But I do think he's going to be tough to get out of South Carolina. Yeah, Ziegler is different than Minky and Miles because Notre Dame had a little bit better feel for 
his interest in their interest in Notre Dame because they'd been up for visits before. This will be the first time for Ziegler getting up here. He's a recent offer. So it's not like Notre Dame has a long track record with him. Um, so I'm very intrigued to see can is is it something that can turn that quickly? That can Notre Dame get him on campus once and he's like, okay, this is where I want to be. I don't know that will be the case. Um, but you got to get him on campus to find out. And the, and the fact that he's willing to get here obviously is a good sign. So I think um, you get him here, see what happens. I, I You can't put all your eggs in his basket because I feel like it's just too too uncertain. I mean, you can't. I, I don't know how anyone could feel hugely confident coming into the visit that he would end up in Notre Dame's class, but certainly they could feel differently um, by the time the visit wraps up. But I do think it's not like total desperation. I, think, I still think there's a chance with Miles – um, and if Notre Dame gets Bronte Johnson, as we're predicting, that sort of takes the severity away from Notre Dame's safety needs. I think still think they need to add three or four in the class, and the fourth being if Davis Andrews commits um, and his mission, preventing him from not actually playing until the 2026 season. Um, so he would still be in the class, but not necessarily impacting Notre Dame next season. Uh, so I think those are – those are still options that are out there, but certainly I think the importance of this Malcolm Ziegler visit has intensified um, as as the safety as the safeties have come to campus and not committed. Um, I mean, I, in a different world, if one one or two of those guys has already committed, Ziegler isn't even making this visit. He would Notre Dame would have said thank you, but we we have a uh, we have who we want at safety. Um, but as far as far as we know, as of Tuesday night of this week, the visit is still on. Um, and Notre Dame will get a chance to impress him on his first campus visit. Um, quickly, before we get to this question from Evan Olson, I wanted to talk a little bit about the 2025 targets um, who have been on campus um, the last week or so. Uh, Madden Ferramo, a linebacker out of California. Blake Hebert, um, a quarterback out of Massachusetts. Defensive ends, CJ May out of Alabama. Cornerback, Mike Zachary, Mark Zachary, excuse me, um, out of Indianapolis. And tight end, Nate Roberts of Oklahoma. Which of those guys intrigues you the most, Charleston? Yeah, so it's, it's really close between Madden um, and Nate Roberts, but I'm going to go Nate Roberts um, just because of uh, the tight end uh, connection with Notre Dame. And um, I've had a chance to talk with Roberts uh, earlier this spring, and he loved Notre Dame. Um, he's one of the kind of priority 2025 tight end targets, um, in my opinion, for uh, this coaching staff to land. Um, he told me um, – he. It, a uh, decision could be possible before his junior season, but nothing's concrete. Um, and he, he was on campus today after visiting uh, Michigan and Ohio State um, earlier in the week. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, he's a top 50 player. Um, he's a top five tight end. Um, and I just think um, when you turn on the tape, he has the kind of overall makings of what you want in a tight end. Um, he can catch the ball. Um, he can separate uh, from uh, linebackers. Um, he's a willing uh, blocker in the run game. Um, and I think he's, he really struck up a good relationship with Coach Parker. Um, and I think uh, with him coming up uh, to campus this summer um, after visiting in the spring, that's two visits now before going into his junior season. Um, I think he's somebody that uh, fans should look out for um, as a possible um, 2025 addition to Notre Dame um, as things stand right now. But there's so much uh, time left. But I do think Notre Dame is the leader of the clubhouse right now. Yeah, I I really like Nate Roberts and where Notre Dame stands with him. Um, 
Madden Ferramo is someone I wanted to highlight because I've heard I've heard good things both uh, coming out of his visit to Notre Dame and um, he was at the Ohio State camp or last week as well um, and was really impressive. He's the number four outside linebacker in the 2025 class, um, and I think he's going to be very high on Notre Dame's wish list in that 2025 class. We'll see. Um, I think maybe sort of a similar mold of Kingston Villamuasa. We'll see if uh, Madden Ferramo's interest sort of matches Kingston's interest in Notre Dame. Um, but I think Notre Dame's interest in him um, could reach that 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 level. Um, Hebert is a popular quarterback right before we started the show. Um, he uh, announced that he's going to make his commitment decision on Friday, which uh, we had to make sure that we were prepared for um, to talk about. Uh, as of this moment, I'd be surprised if he commits Notre Dame, but we will see if that changes. He just visited Notre Dame on Saturday and was offered on Saturday, so that would be a pretty quick turnaround. Um, I spoke to him yesterday. There's an interview with him, a story with him on InsideIndieSports.com for our subscribers, so you can hear what he had to say and see if you're convinced that he would be a future Notre Dame commit or not. Um, as of right now, I don't think he will, but certainly that could that could change in the coming days. But that's that's where my first, um, that's sort of my initial reaction to the news of him making a college decision. I know uh, Clemson was a school that offered him. I think it was June 1st, um, and so that could be a school that he. Could be very interested in as well. Yeah, and then right. one more one more guy I want to touch on, uh, just because I got to see him in person um, sure. and have an interview with him in person. Uh, Mark Zachary, the cornerback that you touched on um, from Indianapolis, Ben Davis. He was also on campus um, up here at Notre Dame today. Um, he visited last season for the Clemson game, and uh, he picked up an offer in May uh, after working out at his school. Um, and it's still very early in his process, but. I think he's somebody who could um, see a jump uh, once the rivals rankings come out for the 2025 class. He picked up an Ohio State offer last week. He has Michigan. He has USC. Um, USC is kind of trying to creep into the Midwest now uh, that they'll be joining the Big Ten next season. Um, so I think he's somebody who um, has genuine interest in Notre Dame. He struck up a good relationship with uh, Coach Mickens, and um, he'll play a bigger role his junior season um, on the field for Ben Davis. So we'll have a better understanding of kind of, you know, his skill set and what he can do on the field um, as he steps into a larger role. But um, I think being from Indianapolis, uh, Notre Dame has to be um, near the top of the list along with Ohio State uh, and probably Michigan right now uh, for Zachary's services. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of rumblings about Ohio State there. So if, if Ohio State is sold on him, that will certainly be a tough matchup for Notre Dame to go ahead and head-to-head on a kid. But um, – Notre Dame's in early, and um, they'll have a better sense of where they stand with him coming out of his visit. So um, that will be a, an interesting recruitment to, to track because um, anytime Ohio State comes into Indiana, you know that they mean business. <laughs> they've had, and they've done a pretty good job of getting some Indiana kids um, to Ohio State, um, not only in this current recruiting class, but in previous years as well. So um, – I would uh, watch out for the Buckeyes for in Zachary's recruitment as well. Uh, let's get to this question from Evan Olson. What recent recruit was the biggest ND fan growing up? Carson Hobbs, Nolan Ziegler, other. Um, I'll take this, Charleston, because I've talked to more recruits over the years than you have, um, unless you have some insight into the recent recent commitments. Um, I think those are good submissions. Ziegler's probably high up on the list. I probably would go with Drew Pine. 
if we're if we're going farther back now, he's he's a bit older and obviously isn't even with the program anymore. But he was a big Notre Dame fan growing up. He he said he idolized Brady Quinn. That's why he wore uh, the number ten. Um, so that that would be someone I, you can't. I mean, I guess you have to maybe consider Eli Reardon. I mean, he was he was born on Notre Dame's campus uh, with his dad uh, Scott um, as a Notre Dame football player, um, and uh, certainly Nolan Ziegler has the family ties as well. So I think that would be a that would be. I don't know. Maybe we could give them a quiz to see who 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 knows the most about uh, Notre Dame. But all those guys are, are were certainly Notre Dame fans. Grew up Notre Dame fans and. Uh, we're happy to get the opportunity to come to Notre Dame. Yeah, then I think the easy one for me uh, with that question, having kind of uh, talked to the guys in the 2024 class is Carson Hobbs. Um, you know, he, he watched Notre Dame since he was a kid. And uh, when I talked to him in April, one of the more passionate commits about uh, kind of uh, building this Notre Dame class and acting as a recruiter um, and just very passionate um, about the Irish, uh, not only on the field, but also just um, in the classroom and, uh, what they can uh, provide for him after football. So uh, I, I'll answer Carson Hobbs on that one. All right. And let's get to this other question from Evan. I get another good one. Do they stop pursuing Marcus, Marcus Gallegos because they thought they had Paul Minky? Um, that is not what I had heard. I had actually heard um, for a while that Marcus Gallegos wasn't necessarily going to be a priority for Notre Dame moving forward. I just think Notre Dame – didn't see no longer saw him as someone that met the ability that they wanted to have on the field. Um, and so Notre Dame, I guess in, in a sense, didn't think he was, he met the standard and would be a take for Notre Dame's program anymore. Now maybe they revisit that if um, they whiff on these safety targets, but I, it, my understanding is it was not related to Mankey and the potential of adding him to the class. Um, I think Notre Dame had sort of made this decision um, before it sort of lined up all of the safeties that it wanted to get on campus in June. All right, let's get back to um, what is always a hotly debated topic, and that is the new Rivals 250. Today, um, Rivals released a new Rivals 250 for the 2024 class for the first time since February, so um, probably overdue, some would say. Um, but unfortunately for Notre Dame fans, there were a lot of positives other than the fact that all seven of the commits who entered the week in the top 250 remained in the top 250, and that includes the three guys who were already top 100 recruits. They remain top 100 recruits, those three being C.J. Carr, Cam Williams, and Peter Jones. Um, C.J. Carr is still the highest-ranked commit in Notre Dame's class. He is also the highest-ranked four-star recruit in the country. He's down to the number 21 overall spot, um, and there are currently 25 stars. So there will still be some more five-stars, but – the rival staff is, has not been quite convinced yet to give CJ Carr that fifth star. And certainly this week at the Elite 11 finals, he will have an opportunity to potentially give himself a push there. And I think certainly what he does in his senior season will play a big role in that as well. But another opportunity this week, especially when he's competing with other highly talented quarterbacks to sort of impress the analyst crew. Um, and, and convince them that he's he's not the, the best four-star, that he belongs in the five-star conversation. Um, which of the moves as it relates to Notre Dame's commits, Charleston, were you most surprised by? Yeah, so wasn't surprised by a ton, um, but I'm going to go ahead and play it safe with uh, C.J. Carr, um, him being at 21, just you know one spot outside of five-star status. And if you look at 
the person right above him at number 20, uh, Jaden Davis, uh, Michigan quarterback commits. So um, kind of easy to compare those two, especially, um, you know, Michigan, Notre Dame, and uh, obviously playing the same position. So I'm a little bit surprised that he dropped uh, down uh, to 21 after being 17. Um, but I think, as you touched on, he has an excellent opportunity um, to kind of, you know, prove them wrong in a way uh, this week at uh, the Elite 11. Um, and I think, you know, with a lot of Notre Dame commits, they haven't been super active in seven-on-seven seven, um, in camp season. You know, after after they commit to Notre Dame, um, a lot of these guys kind of, you know, take a break from that, you know, after being in that process for so many years uh, mm -hmm. leading up to it. Um, but I do think C.J. Carr, you know, him being very active on the seven-on-seven seven scene um, in the spring, I, I do think I was a little um, surprised that uh, he dropped. But, you know, I think he has an excellent opportunity this week. Um, you know, what's staying there as well. And um, obviously Dylan at number one, I think he can, um, if he can ups, upstage a little, uh, them a little bit or kind of prove that, you know, he's in the same conversation as them, um, I do think uh, he'll be worthy of a, you know, a five-star once once Rivals does uh, increase it to third two spots. Yeah. To, to me, the one that was the most surprising was Logan Thomas dropping 22 spots. I think he's a very tantalizing prospect in my opinion. Um, and it was even stated as such in, um, I believe it was a Adam Gorney's story, our rivals national recruiting director, um, as someone to watch in terms of getting a boost in the future. Um, so we'll see. He's from Texas, so he's certainly going to have opportunities to prove himself against good competition. Um, rivals has recently had a change in um, our analyst crew that covers Texas. Cole Patterson has been moved into the Southwest analyst role, which includes Texas. So he'll be a fresh set of eyes and he'll weigh in on what he thinks about Logan Thomas. It's a, it's a committee that makes the decision. All the analysts put their heads together, but certainly someone that covers that area primarily will get um, a good say in a, a ranking for a kid. Um, and so that is one that we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know that Cole was necessarily consulted for this rivals 250 update, but I think, in future updates will certainly play a role in. Um, so that's someone that I'm keeping an eye on to see if he sort of bucks the trend of dropping um, that he did in this class. Did you think – so Notre Dame didn't add anyone into the 250 either. Did you think any of Notre Dame's commits belonged in the 250 or should have jumped into the 250? Yeah, I was a little bit torn between uh, two wide receivers, Micah Gilbert and Isaiah Canyon. Um, mm -hmm. just because I got to see Gilbert for the first time in person um, at Irish Invasion. And right. um, every every time I watched, you know, receivers, um, I was really impressed. And I thought, um, you know, he, he displayed a very good skill set. And I think he has an argument to be inside that um, 250. But Canyon um, as well, I mean, he's a guy who, you know, a lot of people on our message board kind of um, talk about is, you know, mm -hmm. he should be he should be a riser in the rankings. And um, I think you just look at his uh, physical aspect and, what you see on tape, I think um, he might be worthy of that down the line. I just think right now uh, the rivals team really hasn't seen enough of him. Um, but 6'4", 190, the fluidity he has, um, he's a multi-sport athlete. That always helps. Um, and I think he he could, he could have been a guy that I would have put inside the 250 uh, right now. But uh, I understand why rivals uh, might hesitate right now. But I think um, once the senior season begins and uh, he does what I know he's capable of, I think he could be – a guy who creeps into that 250 uh, once the cycle's over. Yeah, and I'm interested to see if he maybe gets a bump to a four-star status, even if he doesn't make it into the 250. 
Um, that's another area, Georgia, our Southeast analyst. We have a new Southeast analyst, John Garcia Jr., and he has been on staff for a little bit longer, so I do think that he probably had some say in these rankings updates. So I'm curious, after we learn how the position rankings play out uh, later this week, what John's opinion of Isaiah Canyon is and um, how much a priority he is in terms of wanting to monitor him moving forward because that is certainly a name that a lot of Notre Dame fans um, are interested to see move up. He doesn't have a lot of production in terms of wide receiver play, but he certainly has some intriguing and, and sort of tantalizing athleticism. And he wasn't at the Irish Invasion because I believe he's still playing baseball. Um, so he's he's doing some other athletic things than um, getting up to campus with the other wide receiver commits. But he should be on campus, um, I believe, this weekend for his official visit. So they'll have a chance to to – get up on campus with some of the other offensive commits. Most of the offensive commits besides the offensive linemen are expected to be on campus this weekend for their official visits. Um, oh, in terms of, in terms of who I think would go into the 250, um, Bryce Young is someone I think that should be a top 250 player. I'm interested to see if we change his position at all. He's still listed as an outside linebacker. I think he obviously Notre Dame is recruiting him as a defensive end. Um, it, he has at least played a lot of outside linebacker in high school, so I understand that position ranking. But I think if you think about him as a defensive end, I think his ceiling um, and potential rises. And so I think that um, if we can convince our analysts to see him through that lens, um, that maybe he has a chance to get into that Rivals 250 um, because uh, he certainly has the pedigree um, with his dad being a pro football Hall of Famer. Um, and uh, has a lot of potential, in my opinion, in terms of what he can become at the college level as a defensive lineman. Yeah, then one more guy, had, uh, Bodie Cahoon. Um, this will be kind of his second year playing full-time linebacker, um, so I think he'll put on some good tape, um, and he might be kind of a riser uh, in the rivals' rankings uh, once you know they uh, the final ones come out, just because I think he was so accustomed to playing safety and now at linebacker. Um, I think he'll put on some good tape as a senior and rivals will, um, you know, be impressed with uh, his play, you know, one season uh, having more experience at linebacker. All right. And lastly, we'll touch on, touch on the big news of last week. Um, that wasn't necessarily specific to football, but um, was certainly a big bombshell around Notre Dame. And that was the announcement that Jack Swarbrick will be stepping down as Notre Dame's athletic director in 2024 and will be replaced by NBC Sports Group Chairman Pete Pavacqua, um, a Notre Dame graduate. Um, so as, as a new member of the B, I, I, don't, I don't know that either of us are necessarily athletic director um, specialists. Um, Jack Swarbrick is, is a one-time Inside Indy Sports podcast guest. Uh, he joined Eric Hansen and I, um, and I believe Eric is hoping to sit down with Jack um, sometime later this month potentially. Um, so hopefully we can get – to talk to him about his decision and what he sees the path forward on a number of different topics. Um, but Charleston, I was curious from your perspective, what do you think of Pete Pavacqua and him being the guy named as the uh, next athletic director for Notre Dame and what he brings to the position? Yeah. So uh, after a couple sports management classes uh, in college, um, I like this hire uh, with Pavacqua. I mean, everything, uh, that I've learned just about, you know, kind of how athletic departments operate and um, how athletic directors have to lead, especially uh, in this new era of college athletics, especially in college football. Um, a lot of big business model um, is going on. And 
Um, I think with his resume, you go look at, you know, what he did for the PGA uh, while he was, um, you know, kind of uh, working alongside them. He got them. Uh, he successfully negotiated a contract uh, with NBC uh, while working with PGA. And I think, I mean, the elephant in the room conference realignment's coming. Um, the Big Ten's going to want Notre Dame. The SEC is going to want Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame's going to kind of be the, you know, the big free agent that everybody wants. And I think this hire shows that, you know, Notre Dame's serious about uh, kind of maybe joining one of those conferences. And, um, but, you know, they're going to do it on their own terms and uh, they know their brand. They know uh, how much Notre Dame football uh, is worth. And I think um, this hire uh, is going to help uh, just with, you know, successfully negotiating uh, TV contracts, TV deals, um, even, you know, any of that NIL stuff uh, that, you know, comes along in the next five to 10 years. I think Notre Dame's in good hands with this hire uh, just because of his, his experience and where college football is going. Um, I think it's kind of inevitable um, that Notre Dame is, you know, going to have to adjust a little bit. I mean, I think he's, you know, the perfect guy uh, when it comes to just strictly football um, as we see it. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a former lawyer, a Notre Dame grad, certainly the media rights experience, both um, as working with, as, as the CEO of PGA of America um, and leading NBC Sports as his chair. Um, he's certainly used to talking big money and moving in wealthy circles. Um, I still think Notre Dame is going to go kicking and screaming until it has to join a conference. Um, and so it needs – and its ability to remain independent – relies heavily on its media rights deal and being able to be competitive with the other conferences in terms of what those individual teams are going to be bringing in from their conference um, affiliations. Um, and then certainly the ACC viability in terms of it remaining a, a conference that Notre Dame can have the rest of its, the, or not all of it, but most of its sports um, as members of, because that is certainly important because the athletic department is more than just Notre Dame football. Um, even though the dollars may not necessarily indicate as such. Um, I, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting hire. I, I, he sort of, certainly checks a lot of boxes, all the boxes except athletic director experience. Um, certainly that would be helpful, but um, I think the fact that he's going to be sort of shadowing Jack Swarbrick um, starting in July, going into next year to taking on the role will be helpful. I think one of the questions I have is how does he do hiring coaches? Certainly the hope is that he doesn't have to do a lot of that with Marcus Freeman recently as a new head coach and new head coaches in recent years with Neil Ivey um, and Micah Shrewsbury in the basketball program. So I'd like to think given his work, negotiations are probably a strong point. So um, I think it's, he's an intriguing hire. I think it's a, an interesting name and I think it makes a lot of sense that, the qualities that he has and the, the experience that he has on his resume would lead to him becoming an Notre Dame athletic director. Yeah. And then Tyler, I uh, want to ask you, you've been uh, here covering Notre Dame uh, a good amount longer than me. Just want to ask you about uh, Swarbrick's legacy and kind of his time as uh, the athletic director, how you kind of um, uh, reflect on, you know, Notre Dame's uh, era uh, under his leadership. Yeah. I mean, certainly if you're the athletic director at Notre Dame for the, the amount of time that he has, there's going to be varying opinions about you. And he, um, he did not win a national championship. Um, the football program did not win a national championship under his watch. Other programs did. Obviously, most recently, men's across um, soccer programs have. Um, obviously, the fencing program is a national uh, powerhouse. 
Um, but football is the one that matters the most. That women's basketball also won a national championship under his watch. Um, so I do think he did good things for the football program, hiring Brian Kelly after the Charlie Weiss mess that really stabilized the Rains football program. I think his decision to stick with Brian Kelly following the 2016 season, even though many people thought Brian Kelly should be fired with, with that four and eight record, um, that seemed to turn out to be the right decision, in my opinion, um, given that Notre Dame made two bursts into the college football playoff in the next four years after that. Um, the Campus Crossroads project certainly is a part of his legacy, the Notre Dame's Notre Dame Stadium renovation and bringing sort of classroom aspects to Notre Dame Stadium and sort of the VIP aspects to the stadium that were enhanced. Um, we mentioned the, the recent hirings of the head coaches of, of Neil Ivey and Micah Shrewsbury. Ivey looks like the right call, in my opinion. Shrewsbury, certainly TBD, hasn't, hasn't coached a game yet. Um, and then obviously Marcus Freeman will be a real – uh, legacy enhancer potentially for Jack Swarbrick in terms of if if, if Jack Swarbrick nailed two he, two football head coaching hires at Notre Dame that's that's a pretty good job um, by him and we'll see if Marcus Freeman can take the program to new heights that is what the aim was for him to do um, certainly that's a big task for Marcus Freeman um, but that's something that J Jack Swarbrick trusted him to do um, and we'll be able to do watch with a little bit the stakes at a lower level for Jack Swarbrick in the future when he's no longer the athletic director for Notre Dame. All right. Well, that's all we have for you this evening for football. Never sleeps. We appreciate everyone tuning in um, live and watching the replay as a reminder, make sure you are subscribed to inside Indy sports on the YouTube channel. Please check us out at inside The insider lounge has all kinds of recruiting updates. Charleston and I have been talking to just about everyone who's been on campus in the last week or so. Um, so please check us out. Consider a subscription there. We'll have some details for Father's Day gifts, so you can give a gift subscription. If that is something, if you're in the market for a Father's Day gift, um, we'll have something for you there. So stay tuned to our Twitter accounts and our, our website for the details on that. Um, and we hope to be back next week for A Football Never Sleeps. We'll maybe have an Inside ND Sports podcast between now and then, but um, please stay tuned. We'll make, make sure that we announce that both on our message board and on Twitter um, so everyone knows what to expect from us. All right. Have a good evening.